Welcome to the Heart of Soul podcast, an exploration of who you are, what you are, and why you are, offering new ways to investigate age-old questions at the heart of you. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. We introduced the topic of money back in episode 28, barely remembering that we had done so, and we carefully parsed out identity's definition of money then. Today we revisit that topic and address money in the subjectivistic, social, political, and economic context of today. Quick announcement, on June 17th, 2023, in the Clubhouse app, our friend Eric Grace will be hosting a gathering of EBE and Soul mentors to talk about identity and answer questions for participants. That will be at 10.30 a.m. Pacific time on Clubhouse in the Holy, that's what the WH, Human Club. Stace, Bree, Eric, myself, and others will be there. I hope you can make it. It should be very interesting. Uh, You can find the invite in the show notes or go to the Clubhouse app. If you can't make it and want to email questions for us to field, you can email me at joseph, J-O-S-E-F, at clearandopen.com. Thanks so much for listening. Well, greetings and welcome forward, everybody, to our 57th episode. 57 is a cool number, um, co-opted numerologically by Heinz, one of the certainly, <laughs> I don't know who owns Heinz. Is Heinz a big, like a Mars giant? It's a giant I company. Think, I, I used to think they were part of General Foods, but who knows with yeah. mergers and buyouts these days. Yeah, yeah. That's a whole fascinating topic. There it is. Because, you know, bigger is better and more and centralization and... Yeah, people don't Ugh. try to own the entire world anymore um, territorially with Putin uh, excluded, mm-hmm. but uh, economically, that's the new everybody yeah. wants to real, rule the wor- rule the world thing. So well, the whole movement toward uh, um, it's, uh, replacing character with celebrity uh, <laughs> in the last twenty five years or so with internet and TikToking and. Instagramming and all those other making verbs out of nouns things, you know, the the dead ending of image, right? If it looks like the person has talent, then they have talent and deserve celebrity. Exactly. Yeah. Well, here we are again. Yes. So Stacey, uh, you wanted to talk about money today and uh, we teased that last time. So where should we begin with that? Well, um, the issues around money and spirituality, especially touch just about well, money itself but uh, in some way melds and mixes with just about every other domain of the human condition uh, given the uh, the state of the world's uh, survival based orientation and money has come to become a um, has become a a, a noun in itself mm-hmm. uh, uh, a, a thing almost personalized to relate to my money, like you say, my skin. Uh, when we when we relate to money as a personalized noun instead of an energetic verb that it is, all sorts of mischief, uh, metaphysical mischief, <laughs> uh, has room to bl- seed and blossom. Uh, it was interesting to me. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to that a little top, littler topic uh, focus, but. I was just thinking uh, before we started today, there was a song um, from this from the 60s and 70s from Bob Fosse's um, uh, uh, Cabaret. 
uh, money makes the world go round. Oh, sure. Classic. That, yep. Yeah. But it's also the root of all evil. That's the well, equal well, and opposite uh, cliche well, or something. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that one. I'm oh. sure either, either 57 today or 58 next time. This probably will go to, to a podcast, but let's see. Um, you know, unfortunately money makes the world go round is, uh, just unfortunately too true in terms of the world we've created for ourselves that almost everyone would say, almost everyone would say that shouldn't be the case, uh, uh, are, are often the same people who help keep it that way. You know, it's like you know, so often you hear in financial circles or financial based lifestyles. Well, I didn't I didn't make the system. I'm just I'm just going along with it and taking advantage of it. Yeah, there's the uh, top top 10 truths in service that make the world go round, which is really what makes the world go round. <laughs> That's right. I didn't I didn't create the system, but but yeah, I just... don't hate the player. I hate the game. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> so those people, uh, that excuse is so metaphysically lame. Uh, <laughs> and and the idea is that I'm a victim uh, of the system mm. as opposed to being a self-oriented and non-narcissistic non non ways mm. to um, opt in and opt out of the way we relate to certain domains. We have that choice choice freedom in us. Uh, and so that's just makes me crazy every time I hear it. You see it in a lot of um, financially themed films and series and stuff. That phrase has become a trope, you know, for yeah. um, financial oriented uh, entertainment. Yeah, at this point, yeah, you're right. It is a trope. At this point, it has become cliche. Like anyone, you know, in the last five years who stuck that in their movie, it's kind of like, all right, come up come up with something else we heard that in wall street in 1980 something you know that's right uh and, and the wolf of wall street also oh, surely uh, yes yeah uh, leo uh DiCaprio, i just had to update that one so anyway um uh that orientation of course is just another testament to the planet's overall dystrophic emotional myopia you could say as a species um there's another song too i thought of uh before we started today and that's Perry Como from the 50s when I was just a, a less than a teenager he uh, he had a song that love makes the world go round um but but that's that song implicitly from identity's point of view of course is about all the codependent high we feel when we're falling in love uh, uh romantically then actually meaning that love in a general spiritual sense actually makes the world go round and the, and the saddest part for me uh is that actually in deeper true reality real reality love does make the world go round but the hu the human species has um, been imprinted and conditioned to uh, not know what that means or how to get on that uh, particular bandwidth uh, that love does make the world go round because when we're locked out of our soulful based i as two-thirds of us are by default all of us uh, you're not going to um, be able to access the melody that uh, the, uh, of that divine dance that love makes everything go around. We're not operating out of a, I love, therefore I am, or we are love, therefore we are. Uh, we're, we're constantly scrounging in throt and survival mode and identity mode uh, bereft of our access to our soul eye. What so, I find so interesting about uh, my my list of six things, and they're they're I know they're included in one of your lists of the estates: um, God, sex, love, money, power, 
I can never remember all of them at once. Sure. But uh, that all of these things, they're what's so confusing and insidious and subtle about it is like there are things we think we know a lot about. Yeah. But are yeah. actually like seriously deluded about. And I'm sure we'll get to talking about what money actually is. But um, yes. money is one of those things that we deal with literally every day. We deal with money a lot more than we have sex uh, for most people, I would yes. think. Um, I would say on average, yes. But it's but it is similar to death in that like there's usually not a lot of death going on in people's life. But in the same way, the fear of death and the lack of um, uh, in, the lack of digestibility of death is yes. silently and invisibly affecting people's behavior every day, all the time. And so it is with money. Yeah, good good point. That's a great way to come at it. Uh, in all that, in all these ways, uh, for me and for identity's paradigmatic lens uh, through which it perceives uh, everything, um, the, the the world is a will based, not love based, uh, mm -hmm. because we're still while we're two thirds enthralled to our emotively and spiritually inauthentic version of being from unconscious woundings from chi from childhood family from familial and cultural and societal conditioning um, we're stuck in a will-based world and in that sense uh, the uh, willfulness and money have been locked in a shotgun wedding mm -hmm. for so long um, uh, because we've been conditioned uh, to, to keep them in that that unholy alliance by dystrophic emotive bodies, dystrophic families, dystrophic cultures, dystrophic corporate greed, dystrophic uh, banking policies, uh, dystrophic uh, political posturing, uh, everything uh, affects money uh, uh, in, in a really big way and in, in exactly the kind of universal parameters you just spoke to. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'd like to dedicate uh, this uh, this one or two um, podcasts to um, <laughs> Yeshua and his famous uh, money uh, tirade in the temple. Uh, that is one of the few things from identity's point of view, um, the uh, uh, the biblical narrative actually um, reported with a, not very much uh, um, uh, distortion. Uh, there's no, we won't be overturning any tables uh, here and screaming at uh, this is uh, my father's house or any of that kind of stuff. But um, uh, and there is a correlate uh, these days in how this unholy marriage between willfulness and money and the willfulness, for example, in religious, quote unquote, a spirit, spiritual domains. Um, every time the Vatican Bank and it's been happening for well centuries. Uh, how uh, how how it gets caught in money laundering uh, schemes, embezzlement, misappropriation of funds, and not to mention how often they haven't gotten caught. Yeah, over the I centuries. call that the the cockroach rule. Like if you see two in your house, there's probably fifty. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And uh, I on a, on a little bit of a humorous aside. Um, because I have some of that blood in me, a, a good share of it actually, a case can be made that the uh, malfeasance, financial malfeasance in the Vatican may be affected by the geographical proximity, uh, cultural parallels and the same greed for power that's inherent to that other bastion of corporate 
swagger named after the Sicilian word mafiusu. Mm -hmm. uh, see, so um, in that sense, uh, the Italian cultural gene has spawned uh, both uh, the, the, the Vatican uh, and even though there's representatives mm -hmm. in, from all over the world, but the the Holy See S E E. Did you know that's how they, they recall they called Vatican uh, Vatican? Oh yeah, um, I never really understood that. Well, it's it's really an old English kind of translation, but in the the best way to say it here is is that um, that the Vatican uh, is uh, is is bo is born out of the same um, cultural zeitgeist as the mafia, but just and, like uh, Wall Street in New York City, you know, the well, sure, New York City exactly. is an Enneagram Eight. It's this dominating. They walk faster than anyone else in the world. You don't make eye contact with strangers, and oh, this yeah. is sort of like get ahead at all costs and. Push, Wall push, Street, push. yeah, all all the major um, uh, um, stock exchange, you know, stock exchange, NYSE, and uh, the mm -hmm. other one. So anyway, money and sex are arguably the lar two largest domains of human expression, fraught, really obviously, with this the dystrophic sequela of our global states of uh, human consciousness, uh, because they're both tied to will uh, uh, will in so many different ways. Anyway. Um, uh, the sad state of affairs on Earth, of course, is based last last contextual thing here before we get to money uh, is based on our overcompensational use of willfulness. Um, uh, you the only way to put uh, begin to put <clears throat> emotivity, much less love itself, as its most um, enduring uh, um, uh, imprimatur, is that you you can't get out of survival based mode through the will, will, our willful priority until we heal away our emotively inauthentic version of self. Until that happens, we're bound to willfulness because we had no access to our emotive authentic, authentic self uh, after the age of 12 or 13. So um, in that sense, um, we're, we're all on the merry-go-round until we heal by default. Mm. So um, emotively mature people, which of course, EBE or um, uh, identity has a, a dharma for uh, tend to have a whole different relationship with money, and we'll make be making some contrast. What is it to answer this, this the, the the cultural trope or meme of um, why it's hard for spiritual people to to um, become amass great wealth or great security uh, in uh, in this domain? Uh, we'll, we'll we'll try to operate on that also. So. Um, it's it's like uh, when it comes to money, I will kind of get into the way we project on it. Well, the value we project in it, uh, the security we expect from it, the happiness we try to build around it. Mm. My God, uh, and the dreams we imagine coming from it are almost completely grounded in in, in emotive immaturity in both the wealthy and the poor. Yeah, we'll, we'll be making the point that it's not it's not more spiritual to be um, uh, uh, needy than it is to be um, wealthy. They, they're, they're two ends of one rainbow, and both of them are uh, are steeped in an emotive dystrophy. And that's why it's been so hard to shake it out and, and how to establish some sort of uh, spiritual basis and how to relate to money. It's um the legacy of our religious uh, and our um, our humanistic uh, 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 dystrophies and and institutions co-sign each other 
in this way. No matter how much money uh, the Vatican, for example, collects every Sunday from parish, uh, parishes all over the world, it's never enough. While they sit on billions uh, of uh, dollars of worth of jewelry and artifacts and art and stuff. One of my favorite quotes of yours from years and years ago, you can never get enough of what doesn't really nourish you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's a yeah exactly. With, with money, it's probably you know there's since for so many people there's this sense of like oh if I just get a little bit more, one more house, one more boat, a little more savings or whatever it is, there's this mm-hmm. sense that um, you know one day and then yeah and mm-hmm. it never comes. In fact, for most people, for what I've heard, the more money they make, the more they tend to worry about money. Yes. Uh, that is, isn't that an interesting dynamic? That gives away the whole um, uh, uh, man behind the curtain, uh, yeah. isn't, doesn't it? You know, uh, it, it, those who accrue a lot of it become actually more worried, focused about losing it or not m- utilizing it to its best interest bearing uh, capacity, right? Yeah. And then there's the sense of like next year, I have to make more than I did last year, you know, because whatever. And the entire stock market is driven that way. You know, like uh, if you're going to be in the S&P 500 and you have to be showing growth again and again and again, and like, well, not every company can grow 20% every year. That's just not possible. And yet the expectation is, is behind everything that somehow shares must continue to increase in value. Yeah. Well, wait, there's not, everyone's fighting for the same finite number of available dollars yeah. uh, uh, and so wh- where does that end every the more people that get into it especially after the internet and 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 uh, people who have programs to um, you know just program in a bunch of money into uh, uh, an in- internet-based uh, app and just uh, watch the money go where it's, where it's going to go you get the more players you get into the game the less uh, p- less uh, sizable chunk of the pie uh, that you're going to actually get. So it really is an absurd uh, system we've we've um, created, and we'll get into some of the details of that. So in that sense, um, God, you know, the identity is is um, dedicated to um, moving uh, or, or changing this sordid sinkhole uh, 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 that draws our humanity with money uh, sec- downward, security word, greed word. And instead, uh, uh, to become a fountain, a, a fulsome fountain that challenges our more emotively mature being into upward passion word and purpose word, mm-hmm. uh, passion word and pers- purpose word. And that's why we'll also be getting into uh, the ideas of beauty, bounty and meaning uh, and, and our relationship with money. So um, let, let's uh, talk about the relationship between spirituality and money in a general sense, and we'll get to some definitions that identity offers. Um, actually, uh, the the relationality, the relationship between spirituality and money just doesn't really exist, <laughs> because uh, uh, the spirit, what we, the spiritual activity that most spiritualized beings do, are doing it from their unhealed. A default inauthentic version of being so there's no real soul-based soulful-based um, relationship between spirituality and money unless again we the same broken record unless we heal ourselves of our uh, some degree of our uh, um, emotively inauthentic self 
So it's not simple that way. Um, uh, certainly the Pope doesn't have any idea how to relate to money cleanly. Um, well, we could say the same thing about somebody, uh, the non, the unspiritual practice of praying to a God in a quid pro quo or uh, right. praying to a God in which they believe and are not actually trying to experience. That's also not spiritual in that sense. Oh, nicely put. Exactly right. The, the one, uh, the default two-thirds of being that, has no access to a soulful, spiritual, real reality of our being is going to spawn all those other domains where exactly that what you just said uh, comes true. And that just adds to the pile uh, on top of which uh, we've got to sort of wade through to, to get to what spirituality and money actually might be. But there's one, we, I, I'm not sure we, I think we touched on this in an earlier podcast, but uh, uh, I keep always coming back to the fact that um, way back when at the uh, kind of uh, before a little before I think the Council of Trent uh, where they decided on the, all the Gospels uh, the Catholic Church uh, they actually convened. I thought that was Council uh, of Nicaea. Or Nicaea, sorry, okay. not Trent. I'm sorry, I'm getting my historical narrative. Yeah. Thank you. Correct me when I uh, mix all it up. I've been around. I can't remember so what Council of Trent was. Wasn't that like after World it War One or something? No, I think that was before, but uh, at the moment, I've had so many lifetimes, it all gets blurry. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the Catholic Church at one point uh, uh, convened a big meeting to decide a really important question. And this informs so much what we want to say the next couple of podcasts, is they actually convened a meeting to decide and vote on whether or not Jesus owned his clothes. I mean... <laughs> That we, we shouldn't have to say one other thing uh, other than that, that, that they made, they had to convene on a critical issue. And, 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 and in their worldview, it was a critical issue, but that it was a critical issue in their paradigm it just gives you so much data about the youngness and the narrowness and the shallowness of their worldview. I mean, they, they had to decide whether he owned his clothes because if, if, he, if we didn't, uh, if he didn't, um, uh, uh, then, or if he did own his clothes, well, hell, then maybe all of a sudden uh, uh, he, they'd have to make another conference happen where um, to decide uh, if the only begotten son of God could own anything. Mm -hmm. God forbid, for example, if he owns his own clothes, by God, he's going to own his own body. And if he owns his own body... They still couldn't push the fantasies of virgin birth, resurrection, immaculate deception, and all these other uh, nonsensical pictures. For, for some reason, it reminds me of how Trump refused the president's salary when he was in, in office. The sort of like superficial like yeah. display mm -hmm. of something that's like not really dealing with the underlying dynamics, and we're supposed to think a certain way about it. It's very uh, classically human. We could say that in a depressing and acceptance uh, yeah. sort of way for identity, you know. Anyway, if, if they, if they, the reason the dominoes would keep falling is if he owned his clothes and he might own his body. If he owns his body, uh, then, well, what happens next? Is, is, does, is sex, uh, lust-driven sex, okay? Yeah, then um, they might have to actually deal with, well, is he a man or is he a son of God? Is he God? Is he not God? How can there be two God? It just becomes a domino, a, a, a metaphysical contradiction expose domino. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and especially because uh, the term I use, of course, is catholicism. Uh, catholicism's <laughs> very brand. It's brand. 
foundationally pivots around guilt in sex. It's the one ticket yeah. that they have had to redemption. Uh, the, the, the guilt around sex only really proper pro creatively for us regular people or pedophilically for priests that's the only other place that they uh look the other way right well at least then they were actually making a metaphysical go of it i don't yeah. think they worked that hard to be coherent <laughs> anymore so I, I applaud that um yeah it relative to their paradigm it was a right thing to have to work themselves through mm -hmm. but uh in terms of how it relates to to what we're talking about here you know it's just like banks to um to turn a profit uh must create debt in their customers in order to make that profit uh they, they, they grow debt and it's and they gain income from the interest also on the debt that they're carrying so without debt in the general population population bank banks would have a hell of a time uh, right. turning and, profit. Yes, and, and profiting off people's suffering in that yeah. form of debt, of course, yeah. is, um, you know, that's inherently bad. So only the Jews should be allowed to do that because oh, they're oh. bad anyway. And yeah, so they're going to hell well, anyway. So we might as well let the yeah. money lending be the, the what the Jews do. And then yeah. thousands, of years, thousands of years later, uh, about 1,500 years later, we'll play victim to the fact that they are doing very well. <laughs> <laughs> And then demonize them and kill them. And yes, that's like, instead of being like, oh, geez, I guess uh, we maybe should have been in the money lending business too. I don't know. It's a cr it's crazy, isn't yeah. it? Uh, you know, in the sense we're talking about here, um, uh, in the same way that banks have to create debt, uh, the Catholic, Catholic Church has to create guilt. Oh, boy. And guilt and debt represent two dimensions of a similar wound-based bandwidth. Uh, we could say it that way. Uh, the very foundational basis needed for the sex, the the success, sorry, of both banks and the Catholic Church share similar dynamics. So, in that wow, sense, take wild. away, yeah, isn't that when you when you actually kind of connect the dots that way? Yeah, it feels really gross. It's uh, yeah, and I can see where it came from because money was created to aid the reciprocity thing. You know, like. Yes. Instead yes. of I do something for my neighbor and then there's this sort of vibe of they owe me one. Um, and then there's a fork in the road there. Like, OK, do they feel guilty? Did they owe me one or are they inspired <laughs> to help me next time I need help? It sort of depends on where they're coming from emotively there. Yeah. But guilt is more likely because of unhealed childhood wounds. It's they're more likely to feel guilt and reciprocity rather than inspiration or love. And so then, then the guilt becomes part of the monetary system. Exactly, exactly Ugh. right. And how much, how much conscious and unconscious guilt is there when someone gets uh, 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 overloaded with debt or underwater on their home? You know, uh, mm -hmm. uh, there's a huge amount of guilt. Uh, there's a, a interesting um, uh, another from another whole domain why people when they get lost in the woods. Um, they don't die of getting usually eaten by bears or starvation. They 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 die of shame uh, when they get lost in the forest hmm. because they start running. How did I get myself into this situation? It's all my fault. Why did I make this choice or that choice? And anyway, it's an interesting. I'm I've, not sure I agree with it 100. Well, I've I've heard that um, they people tend to walk in circles when they're lost, oh, yeah. also, and that's yeah. circle. That's what guilt does in our minds, isn't it? That's what shame it does. does. It goes in circles. 
Exactly right. Great connection. Yeah. If you're um, right-handed, right-legged, your right leg will lead curve it curvingly mm-hmm. and would have it's a really wide, a uh, long radius uh, to that circle, but it will generally within uh, put you in circles or if you're left-handed and left-legged, it will yeah. steer you uh, circularly and not linearly. Yeah. Enough so, so that you don't get out of where you are. That's for sure. <laughs> exactly right. At any rate, uh, uh, let's complete that uh, particular paradigmatically clean but existentially silly question of whether or not Jesus owned his clothes. Um, of course, uh, they voted that he did not own his clothes. Uh, and they all heaved a collective sigh of relief that, oh, God, okay, whew, we don't have to deal with all these other questions that would uh, – uh, if he doesn't own his his um, his his clothes, then again they're supporting the spermless birth um, uh, fantasy, and uh, they needed that to shore up Constantine and Fausta's um, use of the state uh, Christianity as a state religion to shore up the HRE, the Holy Roman Empire of the time. So anyway, um, once they said Jesus doesn't own his clothes, and thereby nothing else about him, because then it would be too human. Yeah. Uh, that gives them room to justify murder of those who disagreed with them about any of that, mm. uh, because all of it was linked within their paradigmatic spider web of um, fantasy uh, that they then politicized and um, and weaponized in the way what we what we call what they call excommunication and her- heretic murder. Uh, uh, the whole thing is should have been ended when Descartes. Uh, floated his new paradigmatic uh, uh, um, cornerstone of I think therefore I am but sadly it's persisted to this day because well understandably there's far more younger souls on the planet than teenage souls or older souls so they're going to need that kind of assurance that religion gives them so um, Jesus can't be just a man who's a great teacher and a really uh, with it guy in other words he has to be a god no so in that sense, um, that's enough contexting. Let's let's yeah. let's go. Identity's got actually a pretty cool um, definition of money. Uh, it's really a big question because no matter how many IQs people carry around, their CQ or consciousness quotient about money, they really don't know what money is. Uh, they just go along with the tide of what they're conditioned with. Um, it's but most people think they know what money is, but in my experience, most people don't. So back to the issue, um, identity's definition of money, or it's actually it's mine, uh, reflecting identity's values. It's an energetic symbol. And that's the first phrase, an energetic symbol for peacefully exchanging goods and services. Value for value, another really important subphrase there, in a context of expressing one's passion path in life and in mutual benefit and goodwill with others. So that's got a lot to it. So let's parse that um, that definition. You know, uh, I just did a quick Google. I, I just did a quick search in my notes for all of this, and I realized we talked about money a bit in uh, episode 28, Money Meeting Manifestation and Metaphysics. And we really? did talk about that question of Jesus and his own clothes. Ah, okay. I knew we talked about it before. Yeah, so we brought that definition there at that time. Did we? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, so let's parse. Let's let's just review that then. Uh, I'm sure so it's me, worth it. Sure, uh, it's. Um, let, let's do that. Um, let me see here how I can think. I got to find a way to 
begin it here. Okay, money is uh, what the first phrase. Money is an energetic symbol for peaceably, peacefully exchanging goods and services. That means money is a concept, first and foremost. It's a concept that we made up to symbolize the energetic elements of human transaction dynamics, right? Um, the human transaction dynamic that is money symbolizes an energy of peacefully exchanging goods and services, value for value, in a context of mutual benefit and goodwill. That means the paper, the colorful paper, or the silver, or the gold coins we hold in our hand aren't aren't money, like we said way back when in an earlier podcast. That's not money. That's a symbol of a symbol. Hard currency is twice removed from the actual reality of a concept that money is, an idea that changed the world. Because what it does, it's uh, it, it allows us to not have to steal or kill each other to um, uh, get what someone else has. Uh, we barter, literally. Uh, uh, money is a symbol for bartering. And that's not so hard to understand, but it's not on the front end of people's um, experience with money, right? And there's a, I have an example of where this can be very practical. I've had so many conversations, sometimes debates with business clients of mine, where I'm trying to show them that incentivizing employees with money doesn't work because money doesn't actually exist. Yes. And so they have, they're coming from this place of money has intrinsic value, money motivates people, people work for money. But if you see money as just a symbol for something else, yeah. then you realize that people don't work for money. They work for what money means to them. And yes. you have to be able to engage with what that meaning is for that particular person at that particular time. Exactly. And that's far more direct. Otherwise, you're just assuming, well, they must be working for money because they get a paycheck and that's why they keep coming back. And then the meaning and their actual yeah. incentive, their actual motives are yes. not engaged with. And then you're in a non-human relationship really then you're, you're not relating to the person and what it means to them exactly it's, and that that would that reboot that recalibration of of uh, uh, that dynamic that you just spoke to would require an emotively mature ceo you know uh, mm. or cfo uh, and uh, a kind of workplace that is much more collaborative than competitive mm. and much more much less top down hierarchically determined and there's, there's lots of been a, a lot of experiments since the 70s of trying to create works workspaces with that kind of um, collaborative uh, meaning based uh, um, dialogue but boy it certainly isn't the default so in that sense uh if you if you as soon as you like we said in the beginning as soon as you nounify money um you make it a thing and then as soon as you thingify it then it's easy to mistake the thing you hold in your hand which are things as money so which is the just, same thing with sex, which is the same thing with love, which is the same thing with death, which is the same with power. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, everything that we, uh, link, the, how we relate to all those um, issues and domains is the issue, not the issue itself. It's mm -hmm. always about how we relate and define our relationship with ev all of those items. Uh, um, and that always, de always depends on our paradigmatic filters that we're carrying, the values we assign and how we, we, why we assign them that way. So, I mean, it's pretty hard to tell a homeless person or someone who's, um, who lost every, or lost, uh, uh, the, their pension, uh, after 2008, um, 
which was just corporate greed uh, with all their derivatives and um, buybacks and things, which they knew had no value, were just generating false paper to get commissions on selling homes that people just literally did not have enough collateral to actually afford. Yeah, I so, remember vividly. I was in line at uh, remember um, uh, was in Bymart in Ashland, Oregon. Uh, I remember I was in line there, and this was right after 2000. I guess it was like I think 2010 or something. And I heard some people complaining about the interest rates on their savings account, and right. they were like complaining about how low interest rates were because you know they were you know point two percent or something at the time. And mm -hmm. I remember thinking like, oh these people are complaining they have this energy of like i want something for nothing yes and the people on wall street who precipitated the crash they yes. were coming from the same consciousness and these people don't realize that yes. they every what what they all have in common is the same damn consciousness problem is they all want something for nothing yes and they just seem to have no way they, the people on wall street wanting something for nothing um, and, you know, packaging toxic uh, assets and pretending there's something else in order to get something for nothing. They think that's somehow materially different from wanting to get five, six percent on their um, savings account, where <laughs> in content it's different and far, <laughs> but not in context. It's the same system. It's the same way of relating to money. Yeah, it's two ends of the same toxic uh, uh, linkage, which is it's why the toxic assets can be sold from A to B because, oh, yes. you want to sell these to me? Okay, well, I think I can squeeze some nickels out of it. Yeah, exactly. It goes all the way down to the end consumer. Absolutely. Where else can it go? Uh, and it, all, it always struck me, Joseph, even when I was a younger man, that um, the uh, people who uh, want uh, um, uh, uh, money, what was the phrase you just used? Want um, um, money... Without earning it, without working, without, work, without yeah. having to do anything, without yes, exactly, uh, are the same people who, uh, um, in another domain, uh, want the most uh, for, for the least effort. Yes, that's because, the, where yeah, it comes from. That's where, it, yeah, that's the context for it. It's like anyone who who expects, um, who wants the most out of the least effort, uh, already is metaphysically diseased from identity's point of view. Uh, because that is going to sever such an orientation is going to sever work and expressive uh, work expressions is going to sever it directly from our passion, our real passion. And uh, as I talked about, I think in uh, in that earlier podcast, uh, this was a real a real lived truth for me where I was in a really the catbird seat to have a medical career uh, uh, one way or the other. That, that guaranteed me a, a cushy uh, lifestyle and the expectation of the family uh, and the culture that I would grow up with uh, in, in my in my childhood and, and, and young man uh, time. Uh, it was this horrific thing that tore me to pieces at age 27 mm. when I had to choose meaning mm. for my life over money. And that's 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 uh, there's the tree where it separates uh, um, that uh, that uh, either you're a, a, a money priority person or a meaning priority purpose person, and I can I lived through this myself. It tore me to pieces until I could finally make the decision, and it's it's in that way that um, uh, what what you said earlier. Unless we are, if, if we are a meaning first person, as usually spiritual people are, they're meaning first, 
we, they don't put money first. And mm-hmm. because they don't put money first, that's why they can have challenges in amassing enough of it to underwrite their spiritual path. Uh, but in, in my case, way back in, the, uh, in that time, uh, age 27, I was looking down a, a black hole. How was I going to work? I had I had virtually a uh, I had a master's level education and just um, aced out before I got to the doctoral, and so um, I all, I had that I could trade that in different ways uh, in the medical community and it wasn't a provider but I could be a support for providers and I got some jobs along the way, but that first decision um, uh, was uh, the hardest of all to be a meaning. A based person, not a money-based person, a high priority for meaning. So um, a person who has meaning in their life uh, as the most important priority does not want the most reward for the least effort. They want the reward to exactly match their effort mm-hmm. uh, so that there's a one-on-one correspondence between their meaning-based work and the kind of money uh, they then have uh, to pool in their own world to survive first and then to thrive. The first- in other words, yeah. In other words, the effort and the value produced is moving in parallel lines with the money. Yes. And when you get a bunch of people together uh, in a large group who want the money to um, uh, uh, distance itself from the amount of effort, so there's more money than there is effort. You end up yes. with a bubble. Yes. Oh. A speculative bubble. And that's what happens every time the stock market crashes severely. It's because the money didn't follow the actual value and it self-corrects yes. just like it does in individual lives. Yeah. Oh, nice. It, it, because it's not grounded in the reality of realities behind the reality we've been conditioned to. It's just like the crazy world now. There's so many phantasmagoric projections about what it means to be a human being and how to live a a human life. So distended and bloated out of the reality behind the reality that it's bound to collapse. And as we said in several of these podcasts, what's that collapse going to look like? But you just detailed the collapse of the personal world, the bubble there, just like the bubble of overvalued stock and uh, or or uh, uh, the, uh, or currency evaluation, you know. Mm-hmm. So in what that happened, sense, to, happened to crypto in the last couple of years. That bubble popped. I mean, it, it still exists, but it lost a lot of its value. But I get curious about like what's going to happen in like Kim Kardashian's life, like the bubble that her life is that it's. Like she doesn't have any actual talent that I'm aware of. And so there's this giant gap between her lifestyle and her net worth and the value she actually brings to the world. And we could say that I'm just picking that out of a hat. We could say that about thousands of people, you know, as opposed to Bill Gates, who in many, many ways has produced an enormous amount of value and has yeah. earned it or Elon Musk or something, but, uh, uh-huh. it, it, you, we could, we could pick that one apart too, but I, you're exactly right. At least they generate something. Um, well, you can blame the Kardashian, uh, which is only a second generation version of the Paris Hiltonian effect. <laughs> uh, Paris you're going to Hilt- give her, she's the originator of it. Well, she's the originator of it. She's the one that made celebrity based on nothing except looks and money. Um, uh-huh. uh, 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 the, a cultural meme, uh, uh-huh. Kardashian just took it downfield, uh, uh, took it downfield running. Well, but to be fair, I mean, royalty, like in Europe did <laughs> sure. that, right? Like, 
you know, your father, your grandfather was king. And then like, well, you have a title, but what do you really do here? And you're just uh, the the TV show Succession does that really well, showing people who are in the family of and like, okay, they're a personal assistant and they make 200 grand. But what do they really do exactly? So, I mean, that that goes all the way back to a royalty. But in the modern era, Paris Hiltonian metaphysics (laughs) makes sense. Exactly right. You uh, may secularized it the first sort they of secularized non-monarchical it, right? uh, uh, yeah. famousness. Yes. Mm. Uh, and so just because um, they've got some sort of genetic predisposition to a particular body uh, worshiping state uh, and have a lot of money and traded on that, they became literally the, the first main internet influencers post Paris Hilton. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that they spawned the whole generation of internet influencers, which is just about, and, and the internet and influencers uh, began with uh, changing uh, our, our version, even in your generation and mine both, uh, Joseph, of a hobby, a side thing that we do, we do because it may, is meaningful to us. Mm. They turn that into what they call the side hustle now. It's, there's, no, it's, there's no hobbies, there's only side hustles. The gig right? economy. The gig economy. I just saw this grotesque juxtaposition in my mind. I started laughing of um, the the internet influencer next to the absolution offering priest. Whoa! Right, oh. it's the same thing. Wow! Unpack that. Uh, or, or, I, 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 I'm offering you. Use, it's an offering of some kind of stimulus where mm-hmm. I get money and you get to feel better, and that's yeah. the transaction of value. And then I, as an influencer or a priest or an entertainer or whatever, um, well, entertaining there's actual value being provided, but it's it's not much. And yeah. so it's like this weird um, uh, uh, magnetization of money in exchange for basically a dopamine hit that's not really grounded in any kind of reality. I'm not giving you food. I'm right. not uh, putting a roof over your head. I'm just giving right. you a momentary way of managing your um, undigestible emotions and difficulty in your life. So you get a momentary reprieve from that. And I laugh all the way to the bank. That's that's really the same thing. Well, yeah, you kind of have to have to swallow back the little gag reflex uh, because to feeling what you're saying here. And and it just occurred to me too. Or a tobacco uh, company does the same thing. (laughs) Same principle. Or pornography. It's all the same kind of thing. Uh, the classic uh, fitting what you started out uh, earlier in the podcast here about um, how uh, anything w- with real food, you get filled and push away from the table. Mm. But if you can't push away from the table and you need constantly constant doses of assurance of your own worth or your own security or your own self-image, you're, you're in a drug uh, cycle. You're, 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 you're in a drug addictive uh, uh, a loop. Yeah, well, what we have to insert here that's implied but needs to be explicit is um, the realm of extreme subjectivism because, you know, like I think often sometimes in my own um, internal thought experiments while I'm mowing the lawn or something, like do tobacco companies actually provide value? Like should they not be, or McDonald's or, you know, fast food? It's like they're providing something. Where is the value? Is the value in the perception of the consumer? Or is it in the, can it be in the perception of the purveyor or is it somewhere in between? How would you answer that? How do we decide what, how to, how to assess objective value? Because that's at the center of what money is in a way, right? 
Yeah, and the lack of that question, Joseph, that's such has so much alacrity to it. Uh, the lack of that question explains so much of our dystrophic world where people don't realize everything has a philosophical context. Mm -hmm. What's what's the value? Where do we locate the value? And how toxic is, is or not toxic is the value? Mm -hmm. So how I would address that, I'd parse it. Um, uh, and the answer is both. Um, the value of selling a, um, uh, a, a, uh, a product that kills hundreds of thousands of, of lives every single year around the world, their value is to shareholders. That's yeah. that's the value. I think uh, it's actually, last I heard of, is about 6 million people a year worldwide is tobacco-related deaths. Exactly right. Uh, between 6 and 7, I think they heard, too. Yeah. yeah. And so what, what justifies that? All they can say is, well, our shareholders um, uh, continue to make a lot of money. And we who own the companies, uh, Reynolds and all, and all the rest. Uh, Philip uh, Morris, R.G. Reynolds, et cetera. But it's a value to the shareholders. It's right. a value to the smokers, at least one big part of them who are doing the smoking. Of course. the val And the value there could only be um, uh, psycho-emotive uh, dystrophy. Oh, I, I can't still to this day, and I admit I'm a little biased. Uh, um, a but little. <laughs> but but to suck smoke that comes from fire consciously into my sweet pink uh, 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 lungs, in addition to already breathing in so much of the industrial yeah. age's uh, stuff in the air that we don't even notice, to consciously, whenever I see a person smoking, I'm seeing them like exactly like uh, drinking out of a straw. They're sucking smoke. They're literally eating toxic carcinogenics. And that's not just, that's an actual real objective truth. Mm -hmm. So the value that they put into smoking has to be a greater value than the destruction uh, yeah. uh, 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 of their body, the toxicity and poison they're sucking into their body volitionally and and they're also they're not just burning tobacco but they're burning dollars because i i think uh in new york state pack of cigarettes is now like 12 dollars yeah yeah that's so yeah. wild imagine a pack a day is 360 dollars a month now well what would that value be joseph the the only it's got to be a psychological value mm -hmm. for it to outshine the obvious and demonstrable harm you're doing to yourself. I used to say uh, that people uh, who smoke are consciously committing slow suicide. Mm -hmm. uh, six out of 10 or seven out of 10 anyway, three out of 10, they could they could smoke three packs a day and they wouldn't get cancer. Uh, it's just there's some genetic uh, contribution there, of course. But the value, and that's that's a horrible conclusion, that the psychological or we would call emotive need to quiet their anxiety, which is what exactly a cigarette is engineered to do with nicotine. It's not only to hook you, but it had to assuage and bring down your anxiety. That value to assuage their anxiety shows how much closet anxiety drives their consciousness. It, it, and it can be depression too, I think about depression it. Depression too. It's usually well, one or the other or both. Anxiety and depression are linked in many ways. We could talk about one day here too. So, so we would say, yeah. Um, so we would say that um, I want to go back to that. 
depression, sure. anxiety link. So we would say that, um, so the, the smoker is perceiving a value from that, those, the cigarettes. So right. their assessment is that it's a value, but we'd have to parse the object of value based on unconscious motivation. Yes. As absolutely. we do, as identity would say about all human behavior, it can yes. only be evaluated about the why the same yeah. going all the way back to previous podcasts where we talked about how the divine doesn't care what we do. It only cares why we do it. Yes. Therein would we also assess valuation of behaviors or val yes. value of all kinds. The question right. is why you're doing it. And if you're yes. doing it to, um, assuage anxiety and um, and also slowly kill yourself because you don't value your own life, then that may have subjective unhealthy value to you, but we would say it doesn't have a meta-objective value whether you think so or not. That's exact, uh, That's what identity would say philosophically, yes. That's exactly right. So, I mean, you know, th yeah, that would really fly in the face of a lot of millennials or zillennials uh, who really feel very entitled to assess their own value about things. That's for sure. Well, every generation finds their own uh, motif, don't they, uh, mm -hmm. uh, to define their values. But speaking of that, it just harkens me back just to a few minutes ago, our, our, our track we were on. Uh, Paris Hilton incepted the modern area, era of, um, of false celebrity and caught the beginning wave of the internet. Uh, we should write her a letter. I want her to know that, like just to <laughs> let her know. You know, <laughs> I think uh, the last couple of times I've seen her, she's unrecognizable. She's had so many facial surgeries. I showed Bree, look, I, I stilled it uh, in a, uh, on the TV and said, look, that's Paris Hilton. And, and she couldn't believe that that was Paris Hilton. She looks very different. Mm -hmm. At any rate, she, she opened it up. The Kardashians took it, Kardashians took it to the next toxic level and infil in, in, infected so many consciousnesses of young souls to make them heroes. Um, I may just made the connection, and last thing you said about how do we evaluate value systems, uh, uh, values. Trumpism is exactly the perfectly predictive outcome from the Hilton Kardashian celebrity, each one one step more, more toxic than the rest, mm -hmm. where, where Trump's bombasticism delusion delusionness and narcissism and uh, uh psych psychopathism psychopathy uh all come into play uh, uh literally gleaning the worst aspects of celebrity culture into a hot mess of mm -hmm. um, political distortion and violence violence in ways that sometimes even go all the way to the physical. Uh, you know, it occurs to me in this moment because there's so much conversation about like, well, what really attracts people to Trump and why do they like him? And, you know, because if, why are people voting against their self-interest? And, you know, well, these people feel left out and they're afraid of, you know, non-white people and all that. But uh, to me in this moment, it seems like the essence of it is they're attracted by his, um, I want to say ability, but it's it's not really an ability. His his pers his, well, I'll just say it. They're attracted by his ability to create his own reality, or yeah. his his valiant attempt. You know um, mm -hmm. that he's rich and famous and powerful, and the fact is that you know fifty percent of his assets are actually debt. Um, yeah. He hasn't actually worked. He's not really successful. 
Um, no. He's no. mostly burned the inheritances that he's gotten. Um, and um, but it's I think it appeals to people because it's the pseudo American dream of I yeah. could become that which I just decide I am. And that's yes. what he does. And I can just say what reality is and you're fired and I'm the greatest and nobody treats women better than I do, which he said in a presidential freaking debate. And yes. remember when he, when the, and the crowd well, laughed and they're supposed to be totally silent and he still got elected. Nobody yeah. treats women better than I am, which is demonstrably not true. But but people vote, but they love it because he says it and that means it must be true. Somehow he carries that and, and they yeah. love that and that's power to them. Well, when you see when you see the 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 um, unfolding dominoes of Paris Hilton to Kardashian to Trump, where where Trump literally has destroyed because he he attained uh, the president of the United States, a fairly important post in global power uh, <laughs> domain. He he literally has destroyed the notion of objective reality. Well, let, let us revisit. Kellyanne Conway uh, oh, a few weeks after his inauguration when yeah. when he was saying it was the best attended inauguration ever and it was raining yeah. and it's like they show the <laughs> empty seats and she was challenged on that and she said yeah. and and there was a there was a, a, a small fire in the Akashic records uh, when when she said it <laughs> we have alternative facts and yes. the librarians in the Akashic went holy shit what there's such a thing as an alternative fact now <laughs> Oh, the hammer the coming down on my head. I'm going to choose to make an oh, alternative God. fact. fact that that's a I, pie. I swear yeah. there's a small blood clot somewhere in me that is a result <laughs> of that statement that I'm still working out. Yeah, even though uh, they, they uh, where she said, well, we have an all technically she's saying uh, we have an alternative uh, picture. I mean, the picture of the fact of the, um, the, 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 they had photos of how vacant it was. And he said it was the most historically attended uh, event in, in historical inaugurational history. And it was just a lie. But, but the, the avarice and the, and the distortion that allowed her consciousness to seed the world's media driven consciousness with, with that phrase. Uh, well, Trump is, of course, uh, the champion of destroying objective reality. And let, let's balance that out. Um, uh, I, did you know about um, uh, Joe Biden and his uh, how his son died? That whole thing. I know. I know well, four different versions of it, depending yeah. on who they're talk, who's talking. Uh, so he keeps saying, I, "If I, rem I don't know if I have the details right because I can't remember, but I, I believe he keeps saying his son died in a war with the Iraq War." which is categorically untrue. And he keeps saying it. And uh, a journalist friend of mine um, yes. remarked once, like either of two things, either he doesn't realize, he's told this lie so many times that he doesn't realize it's actually untrue, or yeah. he's actively lying about it. Either way, it disqualifies him from being president. He's either yeah. innocently mistaken or actively lying. But it's this, this story he keeps saying, and you know, it appeals to hearts and minds, and so it's the same kind of create-your-own-reality thing. Um, sure. It's, it's a little disturbing. It's uh, not as big as Trump's lies. No, but, no. Yeah. I mean, I always saw uh, Biden as um, a lesser of two evils. Uh, yeah. So did most people that got him the election uh, until he printed six trillion dollars and crashed the uh, economy. <laughs> well, it's the same thing as um, Obama, uh, who uh, 
was a hero of mine at the time until mm. I learned post-administration, Obama administration, how uh, he absolutely uh, um, uh, uh, continued this Guantanamo Bay yeah. torture and incarceration of innocent people who he knew were, were innocent, not just as a, and and my third eye read of the whole Guantanamo thing, for example, uh, is, um, is that better we keep everyone there, the lesser of evil, that if we open up Guantanamo, they will come back at us, all the people who were, who were imprisoned and tortured by us and will will seed a whole new jihadic uh, population so they've kept guantanamo bay for that reason mm -hmm. but here look 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 how far afield which is not far afield of the money issue because money, money and power mm -hmm. cannot be divided the, the same the same uh, money becomes the the modus operandi or the enabler of of the greed for power the greed for money, the greed for power, it's uh, its the will to power is actually the metaphysical uh, wave that um, greed of money uh, um, is seeded within. So it's uh, money means control and power for most people. And the more money uh, they believe they have, the more power they will have. So in that sense, uh, I always knew Biden was a placeholder um, uh, and was hoping that uh, at least some middle version between right and left person would enter the fray uh, by the time 2024 came around. Uh, and it doesn't, that's just not happening. So um, anyway, we don't want to get all the way into politics at the moment, but yeah. the, 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 the will to power enabled by money uh, are some we've just been talking about some of the offshoots of that and so and of course uh, the only um it's really it's a counterintuitive um offset uh, but for me uh, the whole question of competency uh offsets in a major way when it when competency is seen and gotten behind in people's consciousness uh is the offset to the to the uh, will to power because it's it what it does is not actively but inactively or in in um, um, uh, uh, what's the word uh, indirectly uh, offsets the 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 will to power when you you commit to competency in yourself it create it sort of cuts through all the objective reality distortions and all the hunger that wants power because you take the power back to yourself and say okay what's how do I handle my personal reality, my personal garden and uh, whatever acreage, consciousness acreages that takes up uh, in, in this lifetime? Uh, competency and integrity, when you put those as high up on your priority list of inner, inner priorities, uh, the, the greed to power just doesn't come up. You're, you're, too, you're too busy living a, 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 an integrous and competent life to have room so uh, for the the willful to will to power to, to come in. So people who have will to power don't have integrity and technically only need to look like they're competent uh, in, instead of actually being competent. Mm -hmm. uh, because when you when you, as we've said in the other podcast too, when you divorce competency from money, you create a cesspool of greed, literally as being the, the uh, the driver of the whole transaction of money with goods and services i mean uh I, that's why we said uh, i think i don't know if we mentioned this why i applauded uh, the i applauded the irs uh for acknowledging directly on their website that um uh, they are not responsible for the wrong answers their agents give people uh, uh to um, 
to uh, their questions about their taxes. Oh, they, they were so man. prevalent, their agents being so poorly trained that they gave wrong answers that cost people homes and huge uh, tax uh, penalties. They had to put on there, we're not responsible for that. Um, under the guise of some Ayn Rand base, well, <laughs> you went along with it, you know. Uh, um, and so- uh, and, That's and outrageous. That's I, pl I applaud the IRS on another domain for putting their incompetency right out there, yeah. right out there, not pretending that they're that they are. You can I imagine a plumber coming to your house to like <laughs> fix a leak and saying, well, right. I, you know, I'll work on it, but I can't guarantee it's not going to still be leaking when I leave. It's like, what are you doing then? What? The yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, and that's even milder than the IRS thing. Sure. Into some really deep shit. If you uh, you under um, underpay taxes for ten years in a row, uh, you you could be for a world of hurt. Mm -hmm. So, in that sense, uh, uh, for me, as we said before, I'd like to highlight that again. We only there's only room for this power, will to power, and greed uh, to come into the space uh, when uh, uh, when competency is divorced. The the, term, the idea of being competent and integrous. Uh, uh, it, it's underlie that that comes out of being committed uh, to being alive in the first place. In other words, what? Why are we alive? Uh, in a really shorthand way, we could say identity would offer that we're alive to create a, 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 a cup runneth over of inner integrity, kindness, competency, uh, um, and, and love. Uh, that 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 spills out so that one human being at a time, we create a secondary world where our communal realities, based in people who who make that that personal priority, begins to infuse greater and greater um, uh, 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 domains of our our community of humanity. So, in that sense, uh, competency and caring uh, is just a commitment to being alive in the first place. The real reason we should all be feeling why we're alive, we're we're all here to reincarnatively keep upping our our uh, heart and soul and spirit game, not to get the most shekels or lira or um, dollars or yens. Um, that that that's all part of our dystrophic uh, conditioning of a will-based world. So if we don't look, have that, then we'll compensate for it with uh, with money. It would replace exactly. the money with meaning thing. Money and power and um, greed and all those things are narcotics that uh, get us high, literally, or unsober in our our in our consciousness because we're already crippled and unsober in our two thirds emotively and authentic being, and we create emotively. Um, dystrophic institutions and cultures and uh, and societies. So, really, when you scale it all down, it has to come down down to one by one people changing from the inside out, not garnering power, garnering money, but garnering and sharing uh, soul based meaning. And we, that, that's why all the rest, like you just said, has room to blossom in that. Mm. So look at all the domains that are linked to money, uh, even what we didn't even get halfway through parsing the definition of it. Mm. Uh, it's, a, it's a powerful, powerful dynamic in our world only because there's been a void of soul-based consciousness to offset it in our world. And the religions of the world, even New Age and Now Age stuff, uh, the distortions involved in it are all 
uh, contribute to our unsober relationship with money. And it's, it's as is the same for, let me see if I can get all six, because uh, I, I go by chakras now from <laughs> Good. the bottom. As with death, sex, power, love, money, and God, um, there's the woefully little instruction and education about it. In the case yes. of money, most people like you don't even know how to read a profit and loss statement, much less balance their checkbook. And even that wouldn't even be anywhere near enough to have a healthy relationship with money. But the yeah. fact that we get through high school and typically learn trigonometry, but not uh, basic financial management is um, it's a serious problem. And look what happened in, um, you know, in the prior to 2008, where people were borrowing money on mortgages that they couldn't afford or didn't understand how the adjustable rate mortgage would balloon and um, you right. know how much uh, real suffering and, and hurt happened because of that. It's it really wouldn't be difficult to make a small difference in that or a big difference in that even. It's it's really sad. I, I want to insert one thing here about I don't know if we talked about this last time, but to me the the um, I've always had this inherent sense of living within my means. And this is some of the, one of the biggest distortions I see with people being irresponsible with money. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, like we talked about uh, before with debt and the credit card industry is making huge amounts of profit off people who are uh, don't want to live inside their means. And they have this feeling that they somehow deserve something that they haven't mm -hmm. earned the money for. And right. um to me, living outside of one's means is like a sin against the divine. You're off the path. Like you're you're cashing. What's that phrase? You're cashing checks that your ass can't cash. Or what is that phrase? I remember that. Um, the, the, I know there's a couple of versions. Writing of it. checks that your ass can't cash from some right. 80s movie. Uh, yeah, that you're writing a check uh, against a bankrupt future. Or yeah. Uh, something something along those lines yeah, yeah it's fundamentally it's like you're if if when you buy something that you can't afford you're not living in reality it's a spiritual right. misguided yes. choice and right. this idea of like um you know if someone borrows money and they actually have a careful plan about what they're going to do with it that's one thing but this this you know when people oh well i've worked really hard this last month so i'm going to treat myself with you know this new thing um, well, I understand that you feel deserving of something, but if you don't have the money for that, you haven't earned it. And yeah. that's the objective versus subjective reality place right there. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Good, good focus there. You know, and, and, and that's the thing, isn't it, Joseph? Uh, we would only uh, live beyond our means if we were coming from an inner lack inside. Yeah. Right. Someone who is fulsome and uh, uh, isn't coming from lack on the inside, emotively, psychologically, um, values wise, they automatically will live inside their means because they they the reality inside needs to uh, express it to the reality outside. The subjective reality links to the objective reality. So only insecure, really wounded people who are not at home here are going to live uh, outside their means and create where they live out there in whatever the toy or the house or the acreage or the 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 um, becoming 51% uh, owner of the shares of a of a of a of a Fortune 500 company um, 
whatever way you do that, you're only driven to live beyond your means or reach beyond your means uh, when you're when you have a big hole inside yourself. I just so, uh, Googled this stat as of January 2023 this year, 60 percent of U.S. adults uh, live paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, 60. I, I heard 62 or something the last few weeks. Yeah, yeah it's frightening. Yeah. And, right. and, and if you look at the uh, personal economies of these people, and I've done a lot of financial management type stuff with people, it's the, the, you know, the frame how people typically hear this is like, oh, they're not getting paid enough. Or they don't have enough money when, you know, if they're smoking a $12 pack of cigarettes every day, mm -hmm. then they actually do have enough money. They could be putting money away. Yes. And that's what I see is typically people do have enough money. They're just not responsibly relating to it. And but then they right. make the problem they think is in the content, not yes, the context right. of how they're relating to it. Exactly right. And that's the all important thing. There's nothing in the human condition, no externalized picture, a posture, or um, prevarication uh, that is divorced from the way we relate to the content of any of those items. Uh, everything is how we relate to it. The, the very few, uh, outside of, uh, for example, behavior like murder, uh, which has still got some relative uh, uh, a woman in Mexico um, wound up killing a guy who was in the middle of raping her and uh, uh, he killed her. She killed him. And then the Mexican government, for example, um, uh, charged her with unnecessary force of defending herself and put her in jail. We're going to sentence her to jail What? Uh, for killing her raper while he was raping her. She somehow got something and hit him in the head. I, I wasn't sure what it was. Like she was supposed to discern exactly how much force to use and was responsible exact, for that. Exactly oh. right. They were all ready to do that. And uh, only the lawyer for this woman made it into the into the world's social media and the Mexican government had to back off and uh, they exonerated her uh, because of the uproar of that. Well, score so one for social media in this case. In that case, that's that's what should have happened if we had had if, if everyone had healed before the Internet started. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the grand uh, philosophical picture for the Internet was a uniting force for good yeah. uh, information exchange. But instead, it devolved to the weakest link in the consciousness chain. The youngest souls uh, invest the most into the uh, I, 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 I take a selfie. Therefore, I am. <laughs> A celebrity kind of TikTok, uh, Instagram, uh, uh, outside-in image, self-image creation and cultivation. Uh, all of all of that uh, is because we're endowing an otherwise neutral, um, dynamical bandwidth of technology to uh, support uh, stagnation, consciousness stagnation, and abuse. Not mm -hmm. not for the greater common good for the individual or the collective. Yeah. So again, it's all about what's our relationship. What's our a lot of the technology we have can be used both either for good or for nefarious, uh, yeah. narcissistic reasons. So everything is our relationship to it, and that's the one domain, isn't it, Joseph? That that has the least amount of attention put to it in our our everyday discourse. We're just now we're in a reflexive. We've already got all of our reactions programmed to this or that. It's going to come out of us without ever questioning, wait, where does my reactivity come from? What's the real reason I'm upset here? A lot of times 
it's it's the thing that's behind the curtain that's driving the content that you're reacting to but no one's analyzing that in any big way uh, or aware of that or or cognizant of how important it drives our world Mm. and money is of course so full of uh, projections that way uh, that it it, it represents so much of our emotional emoto-spiritual dystrophy instead of its grace yeah it's the art the the blessing, the perceived blessing and the curse, right? When Absolutely. I need more of it to solve my problems, my problem is that I don't have enough of it, the projections, it's uh, similar to what happens with God, right? I don't actually have a direct exactly. experience of it. Right. But, you know, I curse it when it's problematic <laughs> and I grab onto it when it seems to be in my favor and it, that's not money and that ain't God either. No, no, it's, I love that you made that link. Uh, in the same way, there's no atheists in foxholes, right? Yeah. Uh, there, there's no ungreedy people or, or there's no there's non-capitalists in, <laughs> yes. in an economy <laughs> that's what i was looking for thank you you yeah. read my mind you, you got it first yeah so uh, in that sense i think uh, we put enough uh, words around some of the basic parameters of the dystrophy of our relationship to money uh, and, and, and its source. So maybe we'll, next time uh, we'll just tie it up uh, with some little more um, uh, specific examples that um, uh, really give away our, our thesis here of how deeply ensconced we are with an emoto-spiritually dystrophic world and all the values we project on things that we should not be projecting values value to. And the good news is you don't have to study or effort to change your relationship to money. You can just heal your childhood wounds and (laughs) your relationship to money will automatically change, automagically change. Automagically. Oh, that was a great I didn't make that up, obviously. Oh, really? Automagically. I love that. I say it with a little bit tongue in cheek because I kind of hate that phrase. It gets gets used in silly ways. But anyway. Um, Yeah, we... um, Bree and I, and our uh, one last uh, personal note here we can close today is uh, we uh, consciously uh, um, have been working toward the goal to have one year's worth of our expenses of life in the bank. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, that is extraordinary for people who make uh, less than, um, Bree and I together make less than $80,000 a year. Um, and we've managed to um, save uh, just enough to um, not quite that, uh, uh, a little less, 70000 that we make a, 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 in a year combined, uh, pre-tax, mm. pre-tax. So we, we are on the lower middle class end of the spectrum. Um, identity is not yet uh, a bit of been a big moneymaker for it. Uh, imagine how much money a, heli- a, a heliocentric uh, philosopher would have made in terracentric uh, <laughs> days. You know, we're, we're seeding a new paradigm. And so I never expected to get wealthy. I just wanted to have uh, not be homeless and have basic amenities. So we just were our goal. We're going to hit it this year to have a one years in a bank uh, in the bank, uh, because at our ages, I'll, I'll be uh, seventy two this year, and B will be sixty three. One medical, one. Uh, there's another topic about money, uh, health yeah. insurance, right? One medical crisis in each of our lives uh, would put us under, uh, given mm-hmm. what is and what isn't covered by insurance these days. Yeah. So uh, in that sense, it's still precarious, um, but uh, the combination um, that we put together here, that's not living beyond our means. And so that comes as an outer expression of an inner value system 
of sobriety. And yeah, we, and we, if and if you have that kind of thing, you know, I mean, that's conventional wisdom in some ways, six to 12 months uh, minimum. Yeah. Uh, well, not minimum, six to 12 months usually a range. You don't want to necessarily yes. have more than that sitting around doing nothing. Right. If you're exactly. an investor, you know, but that's a whole other question. But yeah. if you start with one ought to have a year's savings and then why don't you? And then you look at all of the behaviors that result yes. in that. That's the right. frame to have. That's an objective frame for... Well, but I can't get through my day without my six and a half dollar latte and my twelve dollar pack of cigarettes. Like, exactly. well, maybe right. you ought to look at that because you're not saving any money. Yes, that's a beautiful way to put it. Um, we can objectify a framework, uh, which is not an emotional thing; it's a, a philosophical, mentalized thing. But that objectivized framework, when applied to your life with a goal that's built into that framework, will illuminate all the in sobrieties that you have running in your life that are just off your consciousness palette that you're mm -hmm. not noticing in a in an addictive kind of a, a reflex or loop uh how you're 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 constantly uh, digging your own grave uh in that way financial way grave. and i've i've seen the same thing working with businesses small mostly small businesses you know between one and a hundred million dollars a year and when you look at their p l's and they're complaining about you know that they're not profitable enough or they're just a break even or whatever and you go in and go line by line and start asking questions well what's this what's this what's this let me see your payroll report and you ask enough questions and eventually in a small business anyway you come across something like um, yeah, uh, why is this guy making like two times what a typical person would make in that position? Oh, well, that's my brother-in-law, you know, yeah. so I pay him extra. Why are you doing that? Or right. why do you have three people in this, in this position that really could be handled by one person? Oh, well, so-and-so is the sister of so-and-so. I can't fire them because then, and you end up, you finding all these non-realities, all these subjective, um, made up reality frames that are dragging the entire business down and causing them to suffer with cash flow problems and whatever else. And it's the same thing in our government. Yeah. It's always, I mean, uh, when I see uh, the, in the, especially in the Hawaiian state government and um, I see the kind of mistakes that they make, I just, I would volunteer 10 hours a week to go in there and be a consultant and just create efficiencies in there mm -hmm. because I can, I can smell it. I can hear it. Sometimes I can even see it. Um, my my beloved has I've gotten um, letters from the state regarding um, some program that she's involved in, where she gets four different letters in the mail that were all dated on the same day. And I'm looking at these, going, my state tax dollars paid for yeah. four different letters to all. They could have been in one package. Yes, <laughs> they just, were all sent from the same example. place on the same day. And like, how is that possible? How is the How is the organization organized such that that's possible? And when you compound that, you know, millions of times over, you think about it, it's just people taking twenty dollar bills every day and burning them, literally. And let's end with with something your beloved uh, uh, actually um, uh, 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 um, talked talk to us about of what's happening in San Francisco with the homeless. Uh-huh. Uh-oh. Where, where in a certain district in San Francisco, I'm almost sure I have this right, um, a guy didn't hear it in any news or any social media outcry, um, that uh, uh, in a certain district in, in, in San Francisco, uh, homeless people are allowed to steal $600 <laughs> worth of, um, of goods from 
like uh, uh, um, Kmart's and corner Seven Eleven. She, and she heard this from me, and it's not just homeless oh. people; they decriminalized crime. So that's what I want to point out here, <laughs> in, in our in our whole thing of of money. You know more about it than I do. Uh, that this that this in a sane society where people who who have money and want it for a peaceful exchange of goods and services and mutual goodwill and benefit, and you get laws that allow. Uh, people to to do crimes and, and the six hundred dollars worth of goods are taken out of there's the the, the drug stores in this area of San Francisco they're going bankrupt and uh, uh, losing businesses because the city of San Francisco decriminalized crime so here I'm just google this to get the straight dope on it um, proposition 47 has had a direct and profound negative effect on retailers retailers and law enforcement officials state that since shoplifting below 950 dollars is now a misdemeanor it means shoplifters face no pursuit and no punishment so it's no longer a felony at that level they they turn into a misdemeanor and basically are looking the other way like you know like cops have done small weed percept uh, possession so yeah. I don't think it's actually it's still a crime. It's just so low down in the protocol um, yeah. that the the security guards won't chase the person. They just and so I've heard stories of people are um, in a retail establishment with a calculator adding up the value of what they're stealing, right? So right. that they can get away with it. And this is a real thing. Now that that is possible, even in an isolated way, is is completely resonant with the world we've created. Uh, of victimhood and greed on two ends of the same um, uh, uh, spiral. So if that isn't evidential, you know, what we are in philosophy, we say, well, when all you've ever seen is white swans, you're going to parameterize or, or um, paradigmaticize out the existence of a black swan, right? Yeah, yeah. And so uh, the same principle here uh, in a philosophical mode, in a practical way here is we've created a world uh, of black swans that that sh now show up in, in that in that domain as paradigmatic of the whole mosaic of the orientation of the value systems of the planet that mm -hmm. such a thing is possible is paradigmatic yeah. of the whole toxic relationship we have with money and value well and yeah and the paradigm of course is you know san francisco is leading the world in this way or at least california is, is that the fact that these people are down on their luck and right. um, in a position where they would want to steal in the first place is not actually their responsibility. It's yeah. society's responsibility. So why mm -hmm. would we hold them accountable for it? And, um, you know, we need to change the system and give away millions of dollars to, for example, um, African-American people for, um, you know, what we as a society, whoever that was, did hundreds of years ago. And they're also trying to push reparations in that way. Yeah, um, restitution that way. Restitution. These are complex uh, issues. Very. But but the fact that that there's so little philosophical analysis and the parameters involved. What are the parameters of any philosophical analysis? There are assumptions, yeah. right? And yeah. so that, that 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 these are are issues that are are coming to light like boils on humanity's butt. You know. Mm. Uh, giving giving away the toxicity of the body that's at cause for the boils on the butts, and yeah. so identity has these ex, has this X-ray vision to the values uh, underlying and our relationship to those values that cause all these external evidences of the dystrophy of our of the disease of consciousness 
our world is suffering from from in this moment. Mm. So well, money is a big piece of that. Money is a big piece of that, and it's emoto spiritually applicable, not divorced from philosophy or emoto spiritual yeah. um, a viewpoint. Yeah. So let's let's continue a little bit and see if we can find some more um, evidences and things to talk about about money. We'll aim at that next week and see where it evolves to. Okay? Certainly. Okay. Sounds good. Well, thank you, Stace. This has been illuminating. And thank you all for listening. And tune in next time for at least part two of two <laughs> on money. Well, this is already part two because we talked about it a while back. So yes. um, we'll see where this goes from there. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. To learn more about Stace Barron and Identity, please visit identity.org. To learn more about Joseph Shapiro, visit clearandopen.com. Until next time, we wish you well on your journey.